Submitted for your approval. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. Submitted for your shadow. Another dimension. Submitted for your shadow. Another dimension. Submitted for your shadow. Another dimension. Submitted for your approval. The Twilight Zone. Submitted for your approval. The Twilight Zone. Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to a podcast not only of sound, but also of mind. It's Time to Rewind is a podcast that takes a journey into the wondrous land of time loops whose boundaries are that of imagination. Each episode, my guest and I explore these time loops one loop at a time. This stop is Trapped in the Twilight Zone. And this is the first stop at 1959's Season 1, Episode 10, Judgment Night. Here with me is my guest, Rob, from the Great Escape Minute. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. But I, I, I seem to be having deja vu here or something. Yeah. Like, maybe yeah. I've been here before, <laughs> or maybe I haven't, but I'm not really sure. I know my name, and I know where I was born. Yeah, me too. And And, and that's about it. And, you know, I, I'd like to welcome you to this uh, second season of It's Time to Rewind. This is the first episode of The Twilight Zone, or Trapped in the Twilight Zone. And uh, for those listening, I'm doing things a little bit differently because I'm looking at the early episodes of The, the Twilight Zone in the original series, and these aren't quite like the traditional um, Groundhog Day time loops where there's a lot of repetition within the episode. Uh, in most of these, the, there's only one repetition and it only shows at the very end. So instead, I'm going to be putting myself in the time loop and I will be covering this episode with three different guests. So I will be within the loop myself uh, here trapped in the Twilight Zone. And so starting off here with Judgment Night from the first season. So uh, if I remember right, you said that you've had zero experience with the Twilight Zone. Was that right? I, I wouldn't say zero experience, but I don't have any continuity experience. Let's put it that way. I Over the years, I've seen episodes here and there, mm-hmm. but I couldn't tell you which episodes I've seen. You know, I've seen some of the big ones. That, that most people know about and stuff like that. And possibly, you know, I saw the Twilight Zone, the movie, which has has a few things also, a few few great stories. But in general, I couldn't tell you, okay, I'm a big fan of the Twilight Zone and I've seen every one of the episodes of the of the first five seasons and, and every one of the episodes when they do something, you know, in, in the the version from the 80s or, or all the episodes even of the recent Jordan Poole version of them Jordan i Peele. haven't jordan peele peele <laughs> pool sorry so which which goes to show how much i really know about the, the, the recent twilight zone episodes so i've seen episodes here and there yeah and and i also you know don't have a a huge uh background with the twilight zone i've i know a few years ago back whenever the twilight zone was on netflix which currently in the u.s uh, it's on uh hulu and paramount plus and uh, I, I started going through the first season, I think uh, I made it 10 to 15 episodes in. I, I honestly don't remember seeing this episode before, even though if I was going in order, I probably would have made it to this one. 
I also and it's it's interesting that you don't have deja vu of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. So when you watched it now, did you did you did you did parts of it come back to you? No, I. um, It it's it felt completely brand new to me the the first time I've watched it. Yeah. It's as wow. As we're recording this, I have seen it. I think about three times now, uh, over the past you know two or three weeks. So I, you know, it's a little bit harder for me to put myself back in that you know first time viewing. But I, I definitely didn't remember seeing this episode at all. I think the one episode I I do have memory of. Uh, besides some of the the more well known episodes, like the uh, the the guy. It's a cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I don't think I've seen that one at all. But I've I've seen like some of the earlier ones, like the ones where they're s- characters trapped that are like um, toy box characters, like the soldier, the ballerina. Uh, I I remember seeing that one. Um, that actually it, sounds very familiar. The, the for me that I saw the cookbook one after I think it was the Naked Gun Part Two or two and a half I think that that one they had someone running around with the thing saying it's a cookbook it's a cookbook <laughs> and so I, I it got me interested to figure out what it was so I went and watched that that episode yeah I I feel like that is one that maybe I should look up here as as I'm doing this season because I've you know I'm a big Simpsons fan I I mean I I have uh, one of the the Simpsons aliens tattooed on my back, and that was the episode. You know, they they did the parody episode to serve man, and that one as well, where they they keep blowing right. all the dust off the book, <laughs> and it's like it's a well, that's, book. A, that's no, the thing with the Simpsons. The Simpsons, you know, every episode there's just so many references to so many different things, which is why it's so genius. There's no question about that. And which is why they can also go for so many years. Yeah. I, I mean, what are they on season thirty or something like that? Thirty-three, I think, is the is there the you go. Okay. See. Doing, As I said, I year. I don't watch TV shows. It's been a while <laughs> since I've seen The Simpsons. Yeah, and that's an extremely major commitment. That's you know over seven hundred episodes if you start from the especially, beginning. Now. Especially since none of them age. Yeah. <laughs> it all takes place in the same year. Um, but you could say that they're in a different dimension if that's way that's working. Yeah, and, and surprisingly, they they actually only just recently did a a true Groundhog Day style episode for last year's Halloween of horror or Treehouse of Horror, uh, where Lisa is stuck in in a uh, in a time loop, which I, I haven't seen that oh, one wow. yet because I I haven't uh you know fully been keeping up with the the more recent seasons i've but you know back back to the twilight zone <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know th- this episode we haven't really talked about the the plot of this episode it's um it features a a character carl lancer who we eventually find out is a uh, captain of a german u-boat but he is on this british ship um the um oh, i should have written down the, the queen name. the ss queen of glasgow yes the ss queen of glasgow he doesn't really have a very clear memory like he knows his name and that he's from frankfurt but that's about it and then he slowly gets bits and pieces of his memory as the episode goes along uh, but he's on this ship 
and he is a very fidgety and intense like he it, like he's worried about something or frightened by something but he doesn't know what it is and you know all the all the other characters are just treating him like he's just a normal passenger and then we eventually find out the twist of the episode is eventually he does see a german u-boat in the distance and he sees himself as the captain and we find out that he is actually basically reliving this ship that he attacked because it, it had innocent people women and children on it and so he's doomed to relive their deaths over and over again even though that's the the twist isn't revealed until the very end where things start over for about uh you know the the first 30 seconds or so of the episode repeats at the very end so what did, what did you think about this episode in general okay well first of all i had no idea what i was uh going to be watching um i i didn't do any research beforehand on the episode i figured i was going completely blind yeah, other than the fact and... that you knew it there was at least some hint of a time loop of repeating. Correct, it. but I kept I kept looking at the, the at at the runtime as it was moving along, and I'm like, where are they going to put another time loop in here? You know, <laughs> I was I was I was thinking it's something like Groundhog Day, you know, where even if it only has one time loop, but but you know the the it's a, I think it's 24 minutes or 25 minutes, something like that, and you know as the time is moving along, you know, I reach a 15 minute par, point, and I'm like, okay. When are they going to start this time loop? And then I get to the 20 minute and I said, they're not going to have time for <laughs> another time loop here. You know, and as you mentioned, they have just an, a, a little minute snippet, you know, of, of showing him uh, basically doomed in, in, in this uh, time loop for the rest of eternity. You know, that, that's what it seems like. It's not, uh, you know, using, using the example of, of Groundhog Day, it's not something where we actually see how he deals with reliving this uh, time over and over, because as opposed to Groundhog Day, where, you know, Phil Connors remembers everything that's happened, this character doesn't remember anything. You know, all he remembers is his name and, and, and his place of birth, which, which makes it, that makes it even, I guess, scarier from that perspective, because, because he's reliving this nightmare every single time. You know, Phil Connors is able to try and change his destiny. Here, this guy, you know, Carl is not able to change his destiny at all because each time he's supposedly reliving this 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 event, it's going to play out in the exact same way. Yeah, and I think that's a big difference where in Groundhog Day, he's stuck in the time loop as I mean, it is a form of punishment in a way, but it's more like a, it's a jail sentence. looking for redemption. Yes. Like here, a, here, there's no redemption for him. Yeah, exactly. This is just this, the punishment. This is purely punishment for punishment's sake. That this is like the punishment of the afterlife, where he's not intended to learn from his mistakes. He just has to deal with his consequences, and right. it's so he's not able to learn and grow from his mistakes and become a better person he is just stuck stuck living out this punishment over and over again uh, almost like you know the some of the like greek mythology punishments like the uh, 
Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill and he's doomed to repeat it over and over again. Right. Where he, he's not able to grow as a character because he has this memory loss. And he starts at the very beginning from ground, from, you know, minute zero. Once again, everything is reset, including him. And so he just is stuck with with this punishment this this fear that he has to experience living on this ship with the all the people that he killed and and i'm curious do you do you think like what do you think about the other passengers do you think that they are also spirits like ghosts of the people that he killed or do you think that they are like just a like a, maybe more of an ethereal manifestation of Lancer's punishment? Wow, that, that's a great question. Now, when I was watching this movie I, or this, this episode, I didn't even think about that. So when you think about it, I, I believe that this is either something that, that, that he saw happen you know, maybe from afar, he he maybe maybe saw when he they were shooting at some of the passengers. You know, one of the passengers we see she gets burnt along the way. Maybe he maybe he sees those things uh, from from the U-boat, and therefore his memory is keeping him with those those people. Or it really, as you mentioned, it could just be a manifestation of the types of people that could theoretically be on board this type of ship. When you look at it, each of the characters are very diverse. You know, you have, uh, and they all seem in some ways like stereotypes. You have the captain, you have the purser, you have the uh, the engine room guy, which, you know, I love the fact that his name is uh, McLeod. You know, it, it, it goes to show that the, the, the Scottish engine, engineer is, is always around, whether you're in, you know, the 24th century in space or whether you're on a... Uh, a uh, a British, maybe even a Scottish ship, because it is the Queen of Glasgow. Yeah. And uh, then you also have uh, an American businessman on board. You have a British officer along with his attaché, who's who's uh, you know a female. So, I mean that the 24 or 25 minutes of this episode don't give us enough development of each of these characters that we can really get to know who they are, but they give us a general idea. Of, of who they are. Yeah, the other thing that I noticed, especially after watching this episode a, a couple different times, is that the other characters, aside from Lancer, spend a lot of their time on screen facing away from the camera. Because generally, for the most part, the camera is focused on Lancer with him in the middle of the screen. And a lot of the characters tend to be, you know, um, closer to the camera and facing Lancer. So we get to see wow. like the side and the back of their heads for a lot of time. There there are a few times whenever we get a more direct shot where they're facing the camera, but they do spend a lot of time facing away from the camera and towards Lancer where we're focused a lot on his face and his performance with him. He spends a lot of time. I, I, I love part of his performance and the, the actor that plays Lancer is uh, Nehemiah uh, person. Nehemia, Nehemia, say the Nehemia. Nehemia Persoff, which according to IMDb, he's still alive. He's 102. Yeah. 
that's um, um and he's he's had yeah. a, a pretty long uh, long career and you know i i love his performance he does a lot of um the the shifty eyes you know he spends a lot of his time on screen as he's trying to remember his eyes are darting back and forth and it, it really gives the impression that he is trying his best to actually remember what is going on and, and who he is and how he got onto this ship. And I I think by having all the other characters, you know, facing him that, that does two different things. It it makes them feel like less of a character. Like it, it gives them less personality. So they they seem less important than Lancer. And also it makes it seem like all everybody on the ship is focused on Lancer as a character. And I think for for those reasons I I feel like that they are actually the ghosts of the, the people that he was wronged and everything that they're doing is designed to torment him in one way or the other like uh, okay i i would actually add another thing to that that the fact that that they are constantly looking at him which means he has to constantly look at them look them in the face yes you know for him these are not these are no longer faceless uh people on the ship when when he just when you know as the u-boat captain when he blew up the ship they were all they were all faceless passengers here he actually has to to face them and see their reactions throughout this entire time. Where the funny thing is, is that he's the only one who's scared. None of them seem scared uh, throughout the entire episode until they're actually being attacked. Yes. And they, they seem worried. They're about going them. about their lives. They're yeah. worried, but, you know, but they're they're not scared. That's something, I mean, they, they even have kids. Yeah. And, you know, there's the, there's the scene towards the end where he, he's trying to save everyone on the ship. And then he he looks at a corner and basically sees everybody. You know, I think there's like eight or nine people, if I counted correctly. Yeah, and, and they're all and and that's uh, one instance where they're all facing the camera because it, it's a direct shot. The camera is looking at them all as a group, and they're all facing the camera. But in that instance, but only for a few seconds. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't last very long at all. It's it's a very it's a fleeting shot, but it but it works really well to give us an idea as to how many people are really there, and yeah. you know who he's. I mean, I'm assuming that this type of ship would have more people on it than that. Um, I mean, there there are, was I right? Were there there are ten people in the picture, and some of them are even like the the engineer is not there. There's an old couple. There's two kids. Uh, ah, the captain's not even there. So they're they're. You know, I, I think another re another thing that makes me think that they these are ghosts of the people that died is because we do see a couple scenes that don't have Lancer in them. Like we see the captain talking with the engineer about the engine, and that's something that Lancer is not a part of. And you know we. We see the captain saying, you know, keep an eye on this Lancer character. And if we're looking at this as this is all centered around Lancer and his uh, eternal punishment, that would be something that, that doesn't, that wouldn't factor 
wouldn't necessarily factor into his punishment. But if, right. if it that's is, more for us. Yeah. That's right. more for us to get an idea as to what is really going on there. Yeah, but uh, I, I like to think, you know, it's like I understand from the storytelling perspective that it's to give the audience information. But, you know, looking at looking at this with a fine tooth comb, as as is often done in these uh, movies by minute style podcasts, that um, it does help show that it's other characters that are talking to each other that's that are more than just this manifestation so i right i like to think that that's that helps support my theory that these are ghosts that are stuck with him but they're not so much being punished as they're the ones that are punishing him right but just by being there that that's what punishes him because he because part of the thing also is he sort of gets to know who these people are yes and and that adds adds to 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 you know to the way that he has to to deal with this because he's he even he reaches a point where he's trying to save everyone yeah not just himself he's not saying i want to save myself he wants to save all of them yeah and he's that, trying to get them all to the lifeboats right and and I, I think this does do a good job to show, at least at the beginning, that he's not necessarily a bad person per se. Like the, like at the very beginning of the ep- of the episode, you see him like whenever he first goes into the the galley, he picks up the the little girl's doll and hands it right. back to her. You know, and that and that is pretty much like. You know, an act of kindness is something that he wouldn't necessarily have to do, but it it helps get you on his side initially. You know, it makes right it because seem- we don't know that he's a a German U boat captain. Yes. You know, we just think he's a, another passenger on on the ship. So the fact that they show us that 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 he's this kind man who's helping this little girl and whatever that that's also part of the the shock factor here. You know that 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 they give they show us that he's the main character and we're supposed to sort of root for him until we figure out what's going on and then you start thinking to yourself okay should I be rooting for him should he be should he be punished for everything that he did because when we, when we see him as the Yubo captain and we hear his uh, reasoning for everything and the way he looks at it even when when his uh, when Mueller starts saying stuff to him, you know, his uh, attache or whatever, starts telling him that, you know, I'm not too comfortable with the fact that we just, you know, killed women and children for no reason. And he's like, I don't care. Yeah, and he's... So then, then, we get to fe- then we get to see what the person he really is. The question is, which is the real... Um, which you know, is the real life. Which is the real Carl. Yeah. Which is the real Carl. And it's interesting, too, uh, because whenever we do see... Uh, Lancer as captain on the U-boat, he feels like a very different character because yes. at, while he's on the the Queen of Glasgow, there he is, you know, he's nervous, he is unsure of himself, he he has he does have moments where like his memories come and he starts 
talking very quickly, almost like he can't control what he's saying. Like whenever he's talking, yeah, when he's talking about about U-boats. Yes. Yeah, when it, like whenever he's talking about his, you know, things that he knows in his past, but he doesn't necessarily remember being a spirit. It's like he can't control them, and they're just coming out very quickly. But every other time he's talking, he is very much searching for the words. He is very dreamlike, where he's like, I don't know where I'm going. I am going away from home. And it has that very almost dreamlike cadence to it. Right. But then it also goes to the fact that the, the fact that once we find out that he's a German officer, then we say, okay, well, where's all this English coming from? Yeah. And I, I, that one, I, I think I will just completely, um, you know, give that this is an English, um, program. Heaven. <laughs> well, it, it's an English program made for English audiences. So they just, uh, especially like whenever they're on the ship, that's that's one of those narrative narrative devices and storytelling devices that I I think me as a person tends to be a lot more forgiving than you know some some people who are more nitpicky are. That's... Right. No, I'm, I'm not trying to be nitpicky here, but I'm <laughs> looking at it from the perspective that, that, okay, if this is his punishment in the afterlife. So, you know, for obviously for audience sake, they're going to have everyone speak English. Mm -hmm. But here you have someone who is complete amnesia, has no idea who he is. And people start asking him at the beginning, are you American? Are you British? Where were you born? Things like that. And it took him, takes him a few minutes till he can remember that he was born in Frankfurt. And once he says he was born in Frankfurt, then you start saying to yourself, okay, wait a second. So if, you know, why are you speaking English? Why? Yeah, I mean, as a, as a good example, did, uh, have you seen the Lifeboat by uh, by Hitchcock? No, I haven't. Okay, so you should. Mm -hmm. That's first of all. <laughs> it's actually my favorite Hitchcock movie because it all takes place within a lifeboat. You know, it's a, it's an hour and a half story with, I think, like 10 passengers on a lifeboat who have just been their Their ship has been shot by a U-boat, which obviously I guess you can connect to, to this type of story also. But there is a German on board. And at one point, the German does start speaking English. You know, at the beginning, they, they think he doesn't know English. And then he starts speaking English and he basically gives gives the impression that all German officers are taught English so that they can, you know, speak to the enemy or whatever it is. So maybe that maybe that could be also part of the idea here, you know, that he's on a ship and he sees the name of the ship and therefore assumes in his mind even that since he doesn't know who he is and he knows English, so he must be someone who speaks English. Yeah, but also like whenever we do get the flashback of him being on the ship, which I'm, I'm curious what what your thoughts are on the the moment whenever we do see the interaction. Do you think that that is a flashback going back to the time where it first happened, or do you think it's his memory where Lancer is basically put back into 
to him without and into his own memory where he has to relive it first person but he's not so much in control because it's things play out the way that they did whenever it first happened okay well first of all uh, i want to mention that in those scenes where he's on the u-boat speaking to the other german speaking to mueller or any of the other german officers on board so there i am more forgiving about the fact that he's speaking english because that is completely for the audience sake there's yeah. no question about that you know that that's not something that i think that they've now all decided that they're going to start speaking english um your question was is this a memory or is this what's really happened or or is he being thrust back into uh, his, or, or his is older this a self? flashback for the for like a, a narrative flashback where it's showing the audience how what had originally happened or if or if this is like a basically a flashback within Lancer's memory that he's experiencing in this moment within the story. Right. Well, first of all, the the the, the end of the SS Queen of Glasgow, that aspect of it once the ship is is sunk, you know, we see the uh, life preserver with the the name of the ship and then we, we sort of get a blank screen for a fraction of a second before they once again show the the, the German U-boat, which tells me that, okay, his character has now, uh, Carl has died again on this ship with, with the other passengers. So then your question is, is, is he now remembering what happened before or is he being, is he experiencing it once again? I think it, it, I think it's meant to I think it's meant to be a memory to to show us what happened beforehand because otherwise the it's not really much of a punishment. You know, if you look at it from the perspective that he's now being told once again how he acted beforehand he even though his mind is going to be wiped clean once he goes through this once again I still think that, that that it would be pointless to to tell him at the end of each of each of his manifestations uh, what he said beforehand because it's not going to do any good. So I think that's I think those uh, three minutes or whatever where they show us what happened you know his conversation with Mueller I think that's for the the audience. I don't believe that Carl is experiencing that once again. Okay, yeah, that's that's interesting. I've, I honestly hadn't thought about it that much ahead of time. It, it was something that I just uh, popped into my head now, and I, well, I didn't I do either think... because I didn't know you were going to ask the question. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I do think that you make a good argument for that, where it it is a a flashback for the audience's sake rather than you know reminding him of who he was before his punishment. I, I think it does make sense that in this context, he is just there to relive his punishment over and over again. And the only thing that that gives me just a, a slight pause that, that might think that, that he could be reliving it um, or like put in his past self's head is at the very end of that conversation 
like most of it is him being you know the very different the the arrogant confident lancer where he doesn't care about the the british that he killed for for him that was just you know that that was just like a, a war uh, a war medal like it's that's like a, a point on his belt uh, or a notch on his belt that's that that was a victory through and through and he just has the the brief mention of well yeah in in the eyes of the british of course i'm damned but and then what he doesn't say is but in my eyes i'm doing the right thing and right. and i'm completely justified in doing this but at the very end of that conversation we do get a close up of his face where he he has this slight fear pop into his eyes and that that could be something that that he experienced the first time around where he did like give it a little bit of thought and then you know brushed it off and until like we don't know how lancer died you know we don't know if he lived to a ripe old age passed away and is now reliving this punishment from something that happened earlier in his life or if he you know passed away not long after it may be in a a different battle within the same within the war right okay i want to mention two things about that first of all i'll, I'll, I'll talk about what you just said about about we don't know when he died i think it would have been even more powerful if right after this happened something you know uh, uh, a torpedo would have come in and blown up the ship blown up the u-boat or something like that and then you know we'd realize that okay this is his immediate punishment I mean, as you as as you mentioned, we don't know he might have lived till you know 1959 when the show came out, you know, and at that point he's reliving this or whatever. Yeah, I know so, they mentioned that the but, that the British ships are supposed to be in, in a convoy, so in theory there are other British ships that are. Yeah, but they but because of the fog, they're all split up. Yeah. Or at least the SS. Or so at least they can't Glasgow. see each other, so they. Right. They they could be nearby no but they say they lost they lost the convoy lost could mean that they completely lost them or they just can't see them i I think they they could be three feet in front of our bow but we can't see them because of the fog um it could be i i I don't remember specifically that they said that i i thought that they were at one point they mentioned the fact that that they they're no longer with the convoy because they can't see them because of the fog and that they'll they'll try to find them tomorrow when the fog lifts. You know, I remember, but it could be that that I'm misremembering that. that well, they did and say also something that there there is the mention of their engines because they their engines haven't been maintained, and they're running them at maximum. And at one point, the the engines die, and so they're right. they're adrift. So I I think that would cause them to fall even further away from the convoy. Right, Whether but not, that's later on, yeah. not at the beginning. At the beginning when they're talking about it. And the second point I want to mention was the fact that during his conversation with Mueller, Mueller says to him, we could die a hundred million times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there there we can maybe infer from that whether it's him re, re, remembering that or whether it's for us to, to listen to, you know, as an audience, you know, maybe that's the number. You know, you were talking last season about Groundhog Day that nobody knows – the exact number of times that that he relived all of those loops 
maybe what what it's possible that Mueller is not even a real uh, person here. Maybe Mueller is, uh, you know, if if you want to say that that Carl is now remembering what happened, or or maybe God or the universe or fate or whoever you want to call it is is trying to teach him this lesson that maybe Mueller is not a real person and is is part of that manifestation to tell him, okay, this is your punishment. You're yeah. going to now have to die a hundred million times in order to, to, to redeem yourself for what you did. Yeah, I, I could see that. And um, there's, there is like one, one last thing that I wanted to bring up, which is something that is mentioned in the closing narration where Rod Serling says that, that Lancer has to pay the fiddler. And I was curious, and I did just a, a little bit of brief digging into the origins of, of that phrase, the, the pay the fiddler. And the, I did find like a, a few, a couple different ideas, and it's not entirely uh, clear. Uh, the, the longer form of the phrase is, is actually, you know, he who pays the piper names the tune. And that is generally thought to be pretty much face value. You know, pipers or fiddlers would be brought in for entertainment um, and whatever royalty or, or, or lord that's, that brought them in for the entertainment would be the ones who would have paid them and then they would be the ones that dictate what they played. So that's that's... You know, it is pretty much face value that the person that pays them is the one that tells what they pay or what they what songs they play. But uh, slightly more recently, it, the meaning has kind of changed a little bit. And it's and it's become to mean, you know, that somebody has to pay the price for their own actions. And that meaning of the phrase uh, most likely comes from the 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 story of the Pied Piper of Hamelin. And that's the, for those who might not know it, that's, you know, the town of Hamelin had a problem with rats. And this Pied Piper comes in and he promises to get rid of them uh, as long as, you know, the, the town pays him. And then they, they agree and then he plays his piper and draws all the rats uh, out of the town and then he comes back for payment and the town refuses to pay them. It's like, we don't have any rats anymore. We don't need to pay you. And so as punishment or as payment, depending on how you look at it and which version of the story you're listening to, he then uses his, his uh, pipe, uh, his music to lure all the children of the town away. And he you know, either kills them or, or keeps them um, but you know, they're from the town's point of view, their their children are pretty much gone forever, and that's them paying the price for what they did to the the piper. So, right now, I mean, when when I looked it up, I actually found something very interesting, also because it it basically said that the definition of of pay the fiddler is to face, accept, or suffer repercussions for one's actions or words. Especially that would be expected to incur punishment, which I think fits in perfectly here because it's both his actions and his words. Mm. You know, he, 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 you know, torpedoes the ship or shoots the ship, 
you know, and, and destroys the ship. How's that? And and then afterwards, his, you know, he he tries to defend himself for for what he did, and that you know this is an act of war, and and this is the way it's meant to be. So I I, I liked the way that 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 they did that. I mean, if you want to start talking about Rod Serling, I mean, if you if you listen both to his introduction and to his uh, I guess outroduction, in in the, the the it's written beautifully. I mean, if you, if you think about some of the sentences that he that he says in there, and and I, I just I, I was like completely blown away that sixty was it sixty two years ago someone wrote something so amazing that still can resonate today if you think about it. Um, did you did did I mean if you if you pay attention to exactly what was said there. Um, you know, he he talks about he talks about the ship. He gives us gives information about the ship that we don't even need to know, but it comes up later. You know, the fact that it's a five thousand tonnage, it's the gross tonnage is five thousand. You know, that's something that's mentioned later on by the Germans. You know, the age they say indeterminate, which basically you know there's no way of knowing what the age of 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 the ship is, but it also doesn't matter the age of the ship because the idea here is that the ship. Uh, is about to be destroyed on the one hand, but on the other hand, if you're talking about something that is going to be in a time loop, so it's for sure indeterminate because maybe it's a million years old. Right. That 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 this keeps going on and on, you know. And the fact that that they tell us that that the ship is is one day out of Liverpool, that means it's not that far off the coast. From that perspective, I mean, it's it's a I think it's a few weeks trip by ship across the Atlantic at that point. It, they're only a day out of Liverpool. You know, I, I love how it talks about that the types of things that are that that you normally will log in in the ship's log along the way. You know, the sailing time, the course of destination, weather conditions, temperature, longitude, latitude. I mean, it it just it gives us so much information as to the types of things that people do pay attention to. When you're dealing with a ship, but then you never deal with the fear. The fear is something that that you know he's 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 basically telling us this is all we're looking at this from a psychological perspective. We're not looking at the physical aspects of things. Which once you figure out later on that this is a time loop that that this character is living over and over. So that also tells us so much about it. You have to deal with with emotions, not just with the physicality of everything. Because this, if this is all in Carl's mind, in heaven or the afterlife, or or you know between heaven and hell or whatever, per, exactly, uh, any any place doesn't doesn't matter where it is. So it's not a physical place, but there you can still have the metaphysical stuff and the, the psychological stuff and stuff like that. And and the way that that he compares. He says, fear is like throbbing strokes of engine pistons, each like a heartbeat parceling out every hour into breathless minutes of watching, waiting and dreading. Uh, again, I, I, I'm just amazed at the writing at this, uh, you know, and they, and they call U-boats steel killers, the unseen periscopes of steel killers, where in, in this instance, we actually get to see the U-boat surface because in, in most submarine movies, the, the submarine stays under under underwater when it's shooting a torpedo to try and blow up a ship. 
it's not going to reveal where itself but here that actually does reveal itself yeah and uh, i didn't mention it but this episode was written by rod serling himself yes i haven't done a, a whole lot of looking i know he wrote many of the, the twilight zone episodes but not all of them right here he wrote uh sorry okay he wrote 71 of the episodes did the teleplay of 21 episodes of the total 156 so you're right okay he only did about half that he wrote but um i i think that's about all the notes that i that i have was there anything else that, that you wanted to mention about this episode um a few little things i mean did you did you notice that in the the galley there, there's this like sign on the side of the on the wall where it it you know it makes very little sense because it, it basically it's it's hard to read you can only read part of it you can only read the top half of it anyway uh, i was trying to it, it's it's like a little blackboard that says lifeboat drills and then it looks like it says 10 p.m and 9 p.m or maybe it's 10 p.m or 10 a.m and 9 p.m or something like that it's it it it's interesting that that they basically say that they have you know two lifeboat drills a day on this ship I, I didn't mean they're that. really expecting that and and you know when they get hit nobody runs to the lifeboats but carl <laughs> <laughs> so it goes to show that the lifeboat drills don't really help uh in this case and and i couldn't make out what was written underneath it um i also enjoyed the the fact that whenever anybody walks into a room the lights go out and then come back on to, to because they're trying to keep blackout yeah yeah, I, I was going to um, I was going to wait to discuss that a bit more with uh, with my next guest, who's has a, a little bit more historical background. So I, I was going to get into some of the more historical things, and but I did notice that with the the blackout, which uh, the first time I watched that, I did um, I was like I didn't quite understand what was going on. Like I noticed that the lights kept going out and turning back on. But it wasn't until I watched it a couple more times whenever I realized, oh, they're doing that so they, the, the light doesn't get out through the open door. Right. But the whole question that I have is, is and, and we won't get into the historical aspects of it because I don't know anything about the history of it, that, that I'll leave for you for, for next week with or, or the next episode when you deal with that. But who turns the lights on and off? Is it, <laughs> is it a mechanism like, how do they know when someone walks into the room? Because no one, it's not like they knock or they signal and then they say, okay, turn off the lights and then let people in. It's they open the door and the lights go out. So is it, I wonder if it's a, maybe it's something you can ask your future guest, you know, whether it's, whether it is something that, that they did in a mechanical way, you know, like you, you can do that nowadays. You have that with your refrigerator door, you know, you have the little button that, uh, you know, when, on the inside, I mean, it, at, at least we all believe that that when we close the door, the light goes out. You know, we're not really sure unless anyone's actually gotten into uh, the the refrigerator to to check it out from the other end. Um, I've never tried that, so I couldn't tell you. Well, but maybe I, maybe it's I'm some kind sort of, of engineer simple mechanism person. like that. Yeah, I'm the engineer-minded person where I I found like the little switch, the trigger that the door pushes to where you can turn the light on and off if you find that little switch. The, oh yeah, no, of course I, I know that. Yeah. I know where that is. That <laughs> yes, that I know. I, I think now it's more of it's a sensor than than as to a switch. You know, it's, I I remember we used to sometimes just you know put put uh, tape on it, 
in order to to, to keep it off all the time mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so so that was one thing I wanted to point out. And um, what else was there? Ah, the whole thing with the passport was very strange, also. You know, like he says, how did, if he doesn't know anything, so how does he know his passport? You don't see him checking his pockets when they ask him for his passport. He I, automatically I says, I, I left it in my room. Yeah, I, I think that that's just, that's just a little element that helps tell the audience that he doesn't necessarily belong there. Right, obviously. And if the captain is that suspicious, he should have sent someone right away. You know, he said, oh, we'll check it tomorrow. We'll, we'll, you know, bring it to us tomorrow after you get a good night's sleep. And then, you know, when he sends the guy to the room, he says, make sure to check it. Yeah. That type of thing. So, yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Um, uh, again, when, when, when he's talking with the uh, with the guy from Chicago, I can't remember his name, the, the guy on the war production board. So he has a few interesting uh, quotes in there. Also, he, he calls it a pocket battleship and a skulky... Skulking crummy tin fish, meaning that they'd rather that, that a battleship attacks them than a submarine. Which, yeah. which, if you think about it, the idea then goes back to the whole thing with Carl, how, you know, maybe maybe the reason that, that he has the U-boat surface in order to attack is so that they can actually see who's attacking them. He's not doing it completely in secret. And that could be what, what the businessman is talking about also, that if I'm going to get shot at, I want to see who's shooting at me as opposed to just, you know, getting torpedoed. And he does in, in the, uh, whenever he's talking about the U-boat tactics, he he's mentions that it would just be one one German U-boat that would attack them, and you would see it because it, it would surface before it attacks. Mm. Again, to, to add to the fear, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I think that about covers this uh, this first episode. I'm really excited to to get to talk to more people about this episode and then the other Twilight Zone episodes. But uh, thanks again to you for for being my first guest on the second season. Oh, I'm I'm very honored to have been chosen to to be your first guest. And I guess I guess no one else wanted it. So, <laughs> you know, I'm <laughs> I'm always willing to be your guest, Bubba. All right, so just like I know you're always willing to be mine. Yeah. And so why don't you go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you online? All right. Well, first of all, I have my my personal website, which is movierob.wordpress.com. I have movie reviews coming out there every single day. As of now, right now, this is uh, November. So I have about uh, 8,300 movie reviews, many different types of uh, genres, even superhero movies, which I wouldn't be surprised if I found a few that you don't know yet. So we'll have, we'll have to debate that some other time. Um, besides that, I have my podcast, which I'm right now in the middle of season one of The Great Escape Minute. So you can uh, check that out. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. Our Twitter account is Great Escape MXM. We have a Facebook group called The Cooler. And uh, if you want to send us an email, it's thegreatminute at gmail.com. I already have plans for a second season, maybe even a third season. So, you know, if if The Great Escape isn't your cup of tea, then uh, maybe we'll uh, be able to find something that that you'll like in the future. Hopefully in uh, March or so, we'll come out with uh, season two. So you can check that out. And if you want to get in touch with me personally, so my Twitter account is RealMovieRob. 
And my email address is rob at moviebob.net. And as always, I am Bubba Wheat, and you can find me at flightstightsandmovienights.com. You can find me on Twitter at Bubba Wheat. You can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on anchor.fm as well as anywhere else where you listen to podcasts. Uh, we also have a Facebook group, It's Time to Rewind, a time loop group. And if you would like to support the show, there's a couple different ways you can do it. I do have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash nights. And at uh, three dollars, at the three dollar a month level, you can get early access to this, uh, to podcast episodes. And I will, once I get more patrons, I'll also have polls available where you can decide, help decide what movies I review and uh, potentially what movies I cover on future seasons of this show. Or if uh, you don't want to pay any money, I'm. I also appreciate if you leave a ratings or rating or review of this podcast, uh, primarily on iTunes. I th- think is the the one that's uh, is still one of the most popular ones and one of the few that still has the reviews option. I, I know a lot of uh, podcast listening services don't really have ratings or reviews. Uh, you can also like the episode. I think on um, on Google Podcasts. And, you know, just uh, share the show if, if you like it. Uh, so to help other people listen to this show, I, I'd, I'd really appreciate that. And uh, then, you know, until next time, I will still be right here, trapped in the Twilight Zone. Submitted for your approval. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. So life to your shadow of another dimension. So life to your shadow of another dimension self. So life to your shadow of another twilight zone. Submitted to your approval the twilight zone. Submitted to your approval the twilight zone. For one man, it is always 1942. Light in the salon. Let's black out down there. And this man will ride the ghost of that ship every night for eternity.